Welcome to the Noon at Northside podcast with your host, Pastor Stephanie. Well, welcome back, everybody. So last episode, we introduced our topic of life together. And we started focusing on a book that shares the same name, Life Together, by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, um, who was a theologian, you know, missionary, minister, pastor back in the times of World War II. And today we're going to continue that topic with our guest speaker. We've got Pastor Dallas back with us this um, today, who's going to continue talking about who Bonhoeffer is, what his message was, what his theology premises was, and a little bit more about, you know, what he gets out of the book Life Together. So let's go ahead and just dive right into, and I'll turn this over to Pastor Dallas to continue talking to us about what it means to live life together. Well, thank you, Pastor Stephanie, for having me uh, on the podcast again, and I'm excited to talk about Life Together uh, by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, thank you for that great introduction in our last session, and want to just have an opportunity to kind of dive a little bit deeper into uh, Bonhoeffer himself, if our listeners are not as familiar with him. And so uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer is a was a German theologian, um, and he uh, had some very uh, important works that he had written and was a part of. Um, most well-known is The Cost of Discipleship, and another, obviously, is the book we're uh, kind of basing this discussion out of Life Together, um, the idea of exploring what Christian community should look like. Um, but Bonhoeffer was unfortunately... Um, during uh, World War II, um, what ended up being killed for um, his faith and his um, attempts to be a part of uh, resisting against Hitler and and what Hitler was doing. And so Bonhoeffer has a very rich history. Um, you know, just as if you, if you want a quick overview, obviously, like something like Wikipedia is great to just be able to kind of read through a few things uh, with him. Ultimately, the reason that he was um, imprisoned and tried was he had a, uh, a part in the July 20th plot uh, to assassinate Hitler. So if you're familiar with um, with the movie came out in like 2008 uh, called Valkyrie um, about the uh, plot to assassinate Hitler at his Wolf's Lair Lodge that was based upon true events and uh, Bonhoeffer was a part of uh, some of the planning for that or at least was accused of being a part of the planning of that and he was tried and ultimately hanged um, for his beliefs and his part in uh, trying to go against Hitler and what Hitler was doing uh, to the German people, but also to the Jewish people and, uh, I mean, really the world and what his corrupted philosophies were about. Um, and so if you look back into some of Bonhoeffer's own history, um, the reason that this book, particularly Life Together, was written is during some of his uh, life, he had spent time at a kind of like a monastery and uh, this was written towards the 
um, end of his time there. It was uh, less of a monastery. It was a, actually a preaching seminary. And uh, but he had lived life together with these other people at this seminary. And this work is basically his assessment as to how they kind of lived life and did things together there. So there's the the conversations that uh, Pastor Stephanie started last time um, about um, the idea of what community is, the ideas of the day together, the day alone. Um, what ministry actually looks like, the sacraments. These are all things that he covers in this book and what was real life practices for him as they lived life together in this community. And so what I want to really help us to focus in on today is his chapter three of Life Together, where it talks about the day alone. And the concepts here are really based out of if we want to be able to understand what this life together looks like, we also have to be able to live into the day alone. And he starts off, and I want to just read a few quotes here. He starts off this chapter, it says, many people seek fellowship because they are afraid to be alone. And I think that that rings true for a lot of us, especially um, to these days coming out of COVID, like a lot of us, we didn't really know what to do with ourselves. Like when we were a little bit more isolated from people and a lot of those lonely feelings. And so we've strived to surround ourselves with um, things that don't make us feel alone. And of course, in Bonhoeffer's writing this um, back in the 1930s, 1940s, and he, you know, they don't have the technology that we do. Like they don't have ways of doing Zoom meetings and podcasts and, you know, all these other things that we have ways to still have this fellowship and community. But what Bonhoeffer is specifically talking about here is the idea that we are afraid of being alone because we think about um, all the other things that become associated with that. But uh, what he's challenging us to think about is how spending time alone is not supposed to be a scary thing, but it's supposed to be a refreshing thing that we spend time reflecting upon who God is, the promises of God, so that when we then gather in community and fellowship, we are prepared to engage with those conversations. Um, so he kind of points it out kind of two different ways. If you reject to be alone, you are rejecting Christ's call to you, and you have no part in the community of those who are called. And so even Christ modeled this. I think Pastor Stephanie alluded to this on the last uh, session, uh, how Christ had times where he retreated away so that he could reflect upon the time. And and God obviously has also established Sabbath for us. And so this is supposed to be a time where we intentionally take time away from our regular lives, our regular schedule, and we spend that time in reflection and in prayer. And so uh, the, the main breakdown that Bonhoeffer points out to us is that as we spend this time on the day alone, we should spend time on meditation, prayer, and intercession. And and I know some for some people that like that term meditation is can be like kind of like a trigger word because we start thinking like, oh, like you want me to like, you know, be all Zen and like, you know, new agey kind of stuff. And that's not what this is uh, talking about. This is talking about the idea and concept of meditating on scripture. 
spending time and being prepared to really engage with what God is saying to us through his word so that it can speak to us. Um, and so there's this real challenge, I think, a lot of times, especially, I mean, I, I feel this challenge, and Bonhoeffer points this out too, especially as a, a pastor, like we read scripture to think about, okay, what does this mean for the people that I need to read or preach this message to? Um, so we don't always spend as much time allowing it to work in ourselves and let it be speaking to us as the way that it is because the word first and foremost needs to be speaking to us and we need to reflect and meditate on that and as we spend time in that silent reflection we allow that word to speak to us we allow ourselves to be thinking about what god is doing in our lives and allowing god to bring situations and people to our minds that we can then pray through through our prayer time and then spend time in intercession for those that we are praying uh, for and a part of our community. So that is kind of just a rough overview of that cha- this chapter of the day alone, but I want to dive in a little bit deeper into a couple concepts here. Um, again, this book has been really moving for me. I, I really enjoy a lot of Bonhoeffer stuff. The cost of discipleship has also been really great. Um, and I think that's why Pastor Stephanie has asked me to to kind of be as the guest speaker for this session, um, because I just really appreciate Bonhoeffer as a person and uh, the balance of his life of seeing injustices and being willing to speak to that. But also he wanted to spend time with people and like that is just reflected in like in what you can see about who he was. You can see that reflected in his writing that he truly did care um, about the people that were around him. And that's why he wrote, again, this book of life together so that we could have a better understanding of what Christian community should look like. Um, so, you know, this is not like an escapism kind of thing of like, you know, you maybe you've heard people being like, oh, like if we could just get back to like the early church or, you know, if we could just be like the, the first disciples or the first century church, like we would, you know, have things figured out. And it's like, this is not what that is about. It's it's truly about understanding how we take the living, breathing word of God that's been written over centuries and been preserved by God for his people and not trying to just say, okay, like, yeah, this was true for them then, but how is this true for me now? And it really is about helping us to understand how God is still at work today in our lives, even even though some of the concepts of of how we live out life specifically have changed. You know, we have adapted, we have we have grown, we've uh, used, we utilize technology in what we do, but it doesn't mean that the God who is God changes just because now we have more technology. And, and, and in fact, we should become less reliant upon some of our technology and spending, again, as he says in this, the day alone, spending more time in that silent reflection it's ironic that I'm sitting here talking about a podcast that I'm talking a lot. And this chapter that we're focusing on says that we're supposed to spend more time in silence and listening. 
early on in my pastoral career, um, I was with one of my um, bosses, my my senior pastor, and we were driving somewhere, and he was talking, and I was sitting there listening, and he specifically looked over at me, and he said, you don't talk a lot. He goes, that's, he, he just found it kind of weird, and I said, well, it's not that I don't like to talk. I can, I can talk plenty fine. Um, but I like to spend more time listening. And sometimes that's been a challenge for me since that day. Uh, I still find myself um, more often liking to listen to other people's stories and to, to what they're talking about. Um, but I also can easily hold my own in a conversation. But I think that there's something specific that we have gotten out of the practice of being intentional about being more silent so that we can truly listen to each other, but also listen to God and what God is bringing to us and before us. And so there's this idea that Bonhoeffer talks about that if we cannot first begin with the day of spending time in some silence and solitude, if the idea of being alone scares us, we cannot just fully rely upon the time spent in fellowship. We are doing a disservice to ourselves and to the Christian community around us. And so we need to find this balance with this balance of spending time in silence and solitude prepares us for the time when we are together in the times of fellowship with each other. And so I think that this is uh, a really simple way for us to first begin that he specifically says here, right speech comes out of silence and right silence comes out of speech. Uh, Scripture, even specifically in Ecclesiastes chapter three, says that there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. And so we see this balance presented before us that it's not just about filling all the void in our lives with words and with sound, but it really is about taking time to be in silence and to reflect. And uh, Bonhoeffer then goes on to say, silence is the simple stillness of the individual under the word of God. We are silent before hearing the word because our thoughts are already directed to the word. As a child is quiet when he enters his father's room, we are silent after hearing the word because the word is still speaking and dwelling within us. We are silent at the beginning of the day because God should have the first word, and we are silent before going to sleep because the last word also belongs to God. Again, this great challenge for us of how often do we truly actually live into this? I know for myself, I, I don't practice it as much as I should. Um, but it is a good challenge for us to think about how we spend these times in silence and in reflection of the truth that if we are asking to hear from God, if we don't take intentional time to be silent, how are we going to hear the voice of God? There's there's a lot of conversation today about, you know, people saying that, you know, we don't hear God like they did in in the old testament you know the the prophets the apostles you know anything from scripture where they talk about hearing god and so a lot of people will be like well we don't hear god today was well part of that is asking the question are we making time to actually hear god 
or do we just sit and we spout off a quick prayer of, oh, God, give me this. Okay, thanks. Bye. And we don't actually spend time waiting and listening and reflecting and giving God that true honor that he is due for who God is. So it, it is challenging, but I think as we can find ways to practice this, as Bonhoeffer again says, we'll be richly rewarded if we can practice this silence. Um, again, silence can be scary because we start thinking about all these other things. We we allow these other things to to creep into our mind, doubts, fears, um, anxieties. And so we, we fear this silence and this quiet reflection time. But as we can put our hope and our trust in God, if we prepare ourselves for this silence to then meditate on Scripture, it can help us to curb those fears, those thoughts that, that creep in during this. So as we jump into then a little bit more of this practical side, um, the idea of meditation, we meditate on the scripture. You know, this is not, you know, like the Eastern religion practices of meditation and, you know, crossing our legs and saying our ums and whatever, you know, whatever comes to your mind with what you think of meditation. But this is truly posturing ourselves in such a way that we remove outside distractions. We don't think about what the kids have been doing that have stressed us out. We don't think about the the chore list that we need to do around the house. We center our minds first on Christ so that when we then dive into the scripture that we are studying, we are able to truly be immersed in what God is saying and speaking to us. We must center our attention on the word alone and leave consequences to its action. That, to me, is easy to say, but it's hard to do. And I think you understand what I'm saying. I think we've all been there. As I, for myself, as I read scripture, I I want to read scripture. I want to be engaged into it. But I know, like, as I read it, something comes up, like, I'll I'll read something and I'm like, yes, like, that's that's what so-and-so needed to hear. Because, like, they're, you know, they're just such a, you know, terrible person that they need, they need to read this. Like, or, yes, I'm justified in my argument. Like, you know, I, we, we kind of make those jumps sometimes when we are reading scripture because our minds go there. But if we just allow ourselves to just immerse ourselves into it and ask God to be speaking to us as we prepare for this, because it's a conversation time. This day alone concept does not mean that we are alone 
an away from God. We are we are away from other people, but we are never away from God. God is truly always with us wherever we go, whatever we do. And so if we can, again, recognize that we are seeking God and not our own happiness or seeking God and not trying to vindicate ourselves, um, we are then prepared to truly engage with this. So then as we meditate on the scripture, it should lead us into prayer. It should lead us into an opportunity to be called to action for ourselves um, for the world around us and for what God brings to our minds during this. Um, prayer should be the thing that moves us to help with situations, particular tasks, decisions, sins, and temptations. It should bring these things to our mind that maybe we can't always talk about in community um, when then we're in that time of fellowship. We can't necessarily always bring every single thing that comes to our mind to the congregation, but if we spend time in this prayer after we've meditated on this time alone, God is working through these things. And Jesus is a fulfillment of God's words. All the prayers and that we are praying that conform to this word are certainly heard and answered in Jesus. That's Those are Bonhoeffer's own words here in his book. Um but it's difficult for us. It's difficult to spend time because our minds, again, like I said, begin to wonder. But as you wonder, spend time praying for those things that come to your mind. If it's a person that, that comes to your mind, pray for that person. If it's a situation, pray for that situation. And God will answer may not always be necessarily the answer that we want, but if we truly have spent the time alone preparing ourselves and in meditation and if we enter into prayer, God answers those prayers. And lastly, the section, uh, intercession. This is where it gets the big picture because this is where we are called to be praying for as an intercessory prayer for all those that we are responsible for. So the people in our lives, um, for us as pastors, uh, all the people who fall under our care, but all of us in, in our Christian circles, we have people that are our intercession circle that we are responsible for. So family members, friends, coworkers, your neighbors. Um, at the church here, we are, are on an initiative of uh, knowing your neighbor. And so um, if you don't know your neighbor, this is a, even a great way to begin that of doing intercessory prayer um, for your neighbors. And so this is the idea that um, really, if we engaged with it, in such a way that we spent time really praying for every single person in our circle, it, it could take every every hour of the day to be praying for these people. Um, and I don't want to make light and say, you know, well, let's just, you know, um, con condense them down into, you know, we're only going to spend so much time praying for these people. Obviously, allow God to speak to you to say, you know, if you need to spend two or three hours, you know, praying for this intercessory circle that you have, you know, allow God to, to, to move in that way. Don't think of it as a, a waste of your time or, oh, here's all these other things that I could be doing because this is the most important thing that we could be doing is, is first and foremost spending time in prayer for these people around us and for um, allowing God 
to move through that. But Bonhoeffer suggests that at the very least, what we should do is is spend an hour devoted to this intercessory prayer that we at least bring the names and maybe situations that we know to God. And we truly spend time praying through this time of intercessory prayer for those around us. And I think if we can, at the very least, make time for these practices of stilling ourselves, of meditating on the scripture, of praying what comes to our mind, and then spending specific time in this intercessory prayer, I think we will see um, some great things happening in our world around us, but also in ourselves. I think we will begin to understand that these acts of self-control um, they're a service for the fellowship. They're an opportunity um, for us to be able to engage deeper when we do gather together again with other people then that we have spent time praying for our community. We have spent time praying for the things that God has brought into our minds um, that we are not trying to you know, put on put on a false face of oh well here I am this this great Christian but really my life's all a mess. Like if we have been willing to be vulnerable with God and to address the things that are going on in our lives, then when we gather together as a community, we don't have to be fake around the people that we gather with. We can be authentic. It doesn't mean we still have to like spill all of our sins, all of our temptations and just, you know, dump on everybody and say, well, here's all the things that I struggle with, or here's where I messed up this week. But you can still do that with a a trusted group of people. But when we gather together, we don't have to be false and feel like, oh, well, you know, God really knows who I am and I'm just putting on this facade for these people around me. It allows us to engage as members of a body that we are and a spiritual reality together, not just a physical reality together. We are growing deeper. We are being united together as the Christian family, and we are able to engage in fellowship deeper because we are all together, not just one of us, not just the pastor, not just you know the, the one individual layperson who's been spending this time. If we all together are doing this, we will grow deeper into this community. And that's really what it means to live life together, is to have this reflection upon time spent with community, time spent alone, and really being challenged of what it means for us to give of ourselves, to give God the honor and the time that he deserves, because God has already given himself for us. Um, Let us not become too busy for God. Let us not try to just live our lives and make time for God. Let us truly take time to first and foremost say, this day is God's day. This day, and that's an everyday thing. This day belongs to the Lord, and I want my life to reflect 
God around me. I want God to be in me and through me and around me in everything that I do. And so I need to start my day with God, recognizing that I cannot go through another day without him. And I need to end my day with God, recognizing that it was God that brought you through this day. Uh, Whether it was a good day, whether it was a bad day, God was there with you through it. Even when it's hard to see, God has been there and God continues to be there and God will always continue to be there. Again, I can't give you um, more any more recommendation um, than this, but um, this is a very challenging um, book. A lot of Bonhoeffer stuff is. Again, I would also recommend The Cost of Discipleship, some of his other readings, writings. Um, there's been some great biographies written about him as well. Um, and I just really think that Bonhoeffer is, is such a wonderful saint that he had a gift. He had a gift that he recognized God's presence and ability in his life and allowed him to be able to be influential to people around him and to give us things like these writings to challenge us to truly live into this idea of Christian community together. And so I would just, again, I would challenge you uh, to find some time to read some of Bonhoeffer's works. Um, If there's ever anything you want to discuss more with this, again, I've got a copy of this book here, Life Together, that I've got tons of highlights in. I I try to read it at least once a year. Um, Also, The Cost of Discipleship, I usually go back and and read that. Um, Occasionally, bits and pieces of that, just because, again, they continue to speak to me so much, to challenge me, to help me to um, put in perspective what my role is here, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. and being commissioned to go into all the world and make disciples. And that means building these relationships, building this community around us and taking time intentionally to live like Christ. Well, thanks for, thanks for listening. I'll turn it back over to pastor Stephanie and uh, excited to continue to be a part of noon here at Northside and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next. Take care. Thanks so much, Pastor Dallas. That was really awesome to listen to. I hope you guys got something out of the topic this month. Um, Living Life Together is the reason why we're doing this podcast, why we're actually talking about all these topics. You know, it's, you know, going back to that that glue that's holding us together um, so that we can be capable of crossing divides, bridging gaps, and doing what is necessary to live intergenerationally, living together. And it's so exciting to, you know, even talk about that because next month um, on our new topic, we're actually going to dive down deep into this idea of intergenerationality. Intergenerationality is a huge component of the Christian life, the Christian aspect, the Christian mindset. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be intergenerational and what are ways we can be intergenerational. And we're just going to have fun talking about all that encompasses what it means for the body of Christ to actually come together as the body of Christ, no matter how old we are, no matter what our backgrounds is, and actually be intergenerational 
as the body of Christ. So until then, we'll see you guys later. Bye for now.